Well, we all know that one person, right, that's unforgiving, unrelenting, that, that's sharp and harsh. You guys know that one person? Um, yeah, who, who is that one person? Any hands there? No, no, no hands there. Um, but uh, we all know that person, and we know that person's name too, right? Karen. It's Karen, right? We got, we got Karens. And so Karens, um, they can be identified, right? There's some telltale signs of some Karens right there. Um, so um, we kind of have the RBF going on up here in the corner. That's always a telltale sign um, of, of a Karen. Um, the, the sunglasses, right? The, the soccer mom look. Um, you want to stay away from women um, that, that resemble that. Um, down here, um, <laughs> you guys need to calm down. We've got, we've got the haircut that kind of contours the face. We need to be um, careful of the Karens with that. And then the, the murder in the eyes, right? The murder in the eyes. Um, and, and so we know, we know people in our lives that are like this. And, and don't worry, ladies, I'm not gonna leave the men alone on this. There's also the, the male version. Anybody know the male version's name? It, Kyle, Kevin, let's get a picture of that right there. Um, so... Same kind of thing going on here. Um, the, the hair kind of contours the face. Uh, murder in the eyes there. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, in all seriousness, we, we know people in our lives that um, they carry offenses with them, right? And, and because of that, they lash out at people around them. They, they are angry. There, there's a bitterness, a harshness to the way that they carry themselves and their attitude. And unfortunately, like here in the church, um, we're not exempt from that. And in uh, certain cases, like we have an abundance of people who fall into that category. Um, and they come by many names, many shapes and sizes. And um, it's, it's people who have unforgiveness in their hearts. Something has taken place in their life and they've refused to let it go. And over time, it's poisoned their life, right? It's poisoned their soul. It's impacted them in a way that, that's destroyed who God has intended them to be, right? It, it's robbed them of, of their purpose. It's, it's robbed them of the very essence of God's spirit that's supposed to be living in them and through them and, and coming out on the outside. And tonight's message is titled this, Unchained from Bitterness. And we're, we're continuing our series, Unchained. Um, I plan to take it over the next couple months. Um, if you've missed those, we had Unchained from Fear, right? That, that we have to remove fear from our lives. Last week, we talked about death to self, right? Unchaining ourselves from that, that self-image. Um, it, was, it was a hard message last week. I think I I actually lost a few people in the middle of it that walked out. Hopefully you came back this week. Um, but we want to talk about bitterness tonight. And so what is bitterness? What is bitterness? Bitterness is resentful cynicism. It's skepticism and doubt that results in intense antagonism and hostility towards others. And so that's like the, the Webster definition of, of what bitterness is. But, but it really is this, this poison that, that's coming out on the outside of somebody's lives that, that infects their relationships and, and impacts um, the very essence of who they are. Our key passage for tonight is Hebrews 12, starting in verse 14. And so here the writer of Hebrews starts in verse 14, he says, work at living in peace with everyone. Work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. And I want to point out a couple things. Work at living in peace with everybody. Um, if it's work, it likely does not come easy, does it? 
right? So the writer of Hebrews, who wrote through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is not um, under some false impression that it's easy. It, God knows that we have to work at living in peace with the people around us. Um, all the married people in the room get this, right? That, that it's, a, it's a work, right? To, to live with the people that, that God's called us to do life with. Um, and, and, and oftentimes that's our most difficult relationships in certain regards. Um, and, and when we come into the church, the same is true, that the people that we grow close to here, it's a difficulty, but we work at living at peace with everyone, and we work at living a holy life. And uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about a holy life. It's a life that's set apart. It's a life that's intended to look different, that as we do life God's way, right, as we come into the faith and into the church, as we do Christ-centered recovery, we're meant to be holy and set apart. That means it looks different. We talk different, we act different, we consume different content. That's the way it's supposed to be. If it looks like everything else in the world, then it's just of the world, it's not of God. And so we're supposed to work at living at peace, work at living a holy life. Um, For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. And then in verse 15, it says, look after each other. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no Poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. The writer here says to watch out, to watch over each other and and watch for this root that, that begins to take hold in our lives. One that's of bitterness. One that's of cynicism and harshness that begins to take hold. And and I love the description because it really, it really paints a picture of what happens when, when we have an offense that we hold on to and we operate in unforgiveness, it begins to infect. Um, I know that uh, I planted in my front yard a weeping willow. I love it. They suck up water. They're great. The thing that they're known for is the, the roots spreading out, the system seeking water, right? And, and getting into other areas and, and sometimes causing damage. They're, they're known for that. that. That system can be somewhat invasive in nature. And that's kind of what bitterness is, right? It it starts and then it spreads. And it may start with one relationship, but over time, that one relationship impacts all relationships and then you've got a Karen or a a Miho, right? Um, This, uh, it begins just to impact every facet of our life. (laughs) It begins to impact every relationship And take hold. And so again, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And that first part, look after each other. So there's two things here. One, we have to operate in awareness of what's taking place in our lives. And two, we have to operate in awareness of what's taking place in the lives of those that God's called us to journey with, right? That that we have an obligation to each other here in this ministry to, to call these things out to identify them, to journey together in eradicating those things that grow up. And and the writer continues. He says, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. And so the word bitter there, that bitterness, it's translated from the Greek word um, pikros. Um, and, and it means sharp, disagreeable, harsh, wicked, 
right? That, that's, what, that's what grows in our lives, these offenses that we, that we carry. When, when we think that somebody has done an injustice to us and we think that we can punish them with our attitude, where we can hold them accountable by the way that we treat them and we refuse to let go of those things, where you may be justified, when we do that, we're allowing this to grow in our lives, this, this picros, that, this harshness, this bitterness, this wickedness. And then he compares it to Esau. Esau was godless. He operated in bitterness. It caused him to turn his back from God. Something that was an affront from his brother Jacob ultimately caused him to disregard his birthright, to disregard the things of God, to turn to immorality. And that's what happens in our lives. My, my story, um, I was molested as a child. I've, I've told that many times here. And, and the thing that I did with that is, is I took an offense, right? There was a wound there. Was I unjust or unright in that? Absolutely not. But, but because of that, I refused to operate in forgiveness. I wasn't right there. Carrying that unforgiveness began to poison my life. It led to self-destructive behavior. It led to addiction. It led to me um, being violent and being angry and um, cynical and, and all of those things, right? It, it nearly destroyed me because of what somebody did to me and because I refused to let go of it, because I refused to deal with the bitterness in my life. I allowed it to impact everything, almost to the point of my death. And that's what takes place here. That's what takes place. Like a small root that grows into a great tree, bitterness springs up in our hearts and overshadows even our deepest relationships. We, we can have an offense from somebody at work or in our life and our family and it impacts our marriage. It impacts our children and our relationships there. Nothing's safe from it. And we can feel justified. We can have excuse after excuse about why we get to hold on to it, why we're right. But in the end, we're called to let go of it, right? It's, it's not up to us to make the world right. It's not up to us to right every wrong. It's up to us to operate in forgiveness and let it go before it destroys us. And so again, it, it springs in our heart and overshadows our deepest relationship. This comes about when we nurse grudges or grievances or past hurts. It leads to jealousy, dissension, anger, hatred, spitefulness. These things impact every area of our lives. A bitter person is often resentful, cynical, harsh, cold, relentless, and unpleasant. And if I were to ask you guys here in the room tonight, who am I describing? I doubt any of you would raise your hand. And I doubt you'd raise your hand not, not because you wanna be dishonest, but because what happens is we don't see ourselves this way. And we look at our life as a whole. Well, I'm, I'm happy. I've got great relationships. I have this, that, and the other. But if I were to ask you, do any of these things apply to a single relationship? Is there a person that comes to mind that you're harsh with, that you're cold with, that you're distant with? Is there anyone in your life that you hold something against? Every single one of us in this room probably has somebody that comes to mind. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. That single root begins to grow. That single root begins to impact and infect. It begins to destroy, to break apart, 
to pull apart the foundation that God's trying to give us. It destroys everything. And we hold on to it because we think we're right, because we think we're justified, and we refuse to acknowledge what God's word says. Deal with it. Eradicate it. Get rid of it. It has no place. It has no place in our lives. It has no place in our relationships. And when we make the mistake of thinking that we can operate that way with just one single person, the results in the end are always the same. It never stops there. It doesn't end with just them. Eventually it spills over into other areas of our lives. And so what do we do about it? Um, I want to share one of my, my favorite, um, favorite bits of scripture with you. It's a psalm. It's Psalms 139. It's the end of it, 23 and 24. Um, and this is something that I often pray over my life. And I want to read the passage to you. And I want to um, also share it in light of how I pray it. But Psalm 139, 23 through 24, it says this. Search me. Say search me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything, say anything, anything anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And so this, the psalmist here recognizes that the God is the one that searches and knows our hearts, right? How many times have, have, have we been deceived by the things that we believe to be true in here, right? And God's not deceived by this, but we are. And so oftentimes we we may think that we're operating in a healthy way. And if that's you, I want to encourage you towards this to begin to pray to God to search and to see, to reveal it to you. Because maybe you've been deceived about what's inside of here. And and I often pray this and, and I'll say, God, search me, oh God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life, God. And if I refuse, this is where it gets dangerous. God, if I refuse to see it, to recognize it, to listen to it, I want you to expose me, Lord. I want you to expose me to the people around me for the fraud that I am. If there's anything that I refuse to acknowledge, because this is how serious it is. It's so serious that that those things come out that we don't refuse to identify them from fear of losing platform or, um, or impacting some relationship or any of these things, that they need to be outed. They need to be outed. Search me, oh God. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Because when it comes to bitterness, we need to ask God to reveal it. We need to ask God to reveal it. And so if you're in here tonight, um, at the end of service, we're going to have just an opportunity for us to, to give forgiveness to those in our lives. But I want you to begin thinking about people in your life right now that that you may be holding on to something regarding that that you refuse to let go of because I want you to know it it, it poisons you, not them. It, It steals from you. It robs from you, not them. And we need to ask God to reveal it, to bring about those names, to bring about those relationships. God, reveal to me the offenses, the grudges, the hurts, the wounds. Help me to see, Lord, what's been kept from me or what I've kept from myself. Search me, oh God. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. Reveal to me what's in my deceitful and wicked heart. Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, he said this in Jeremiah 17, nine through 10. It says, the heart is the most deceitful. Say deceitful. 
deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Deceitful and desperately wicked. That's our heart, but we can't trust it. We need to ask God to search it, to expose it, to open it up. Who really knows how, how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine all secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. Um, anybody in here ever go to somebody close to them and say, hey, listen, I really got to tell you about so-and-so so we can pray for them? Yeah, come on. Yeah, we, yeah right? Um, how often is that just an opportunity for us to gossip? I'll put both hands up. I'm so guilty of this too often. What's my motive here? Is it to lift the person up? I convince myself of it. Oh, but my heart is desperately wicked. It deceives me. I just want that other person to know what a piece of trash that guy is, right? That's why all the time I go to Adam, I say, Adam, we need to pray for Mike. I'm gonna tell you what's going on in Mike's life. Um, but, but we do that, right? What happens there? We've lied to ourselves. And we come into that situation, we lied to the other person, we've lied to ourselves, we convince. We've tried to convince everyone involved that our motives were just, that our motives were right. But it's a wickedness in our heart, it's a grievance. It's a root of bitterness that's taking hold that we need to begin to deal with. So again, point number one, when it comes to bitterness, we need to ask God to reveal it. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter four as we look at point number two. Ephesians is in our New Testament. Um, Jeremiah, Psalms, that's our Old Testament, right? New Testament, that deals with like the, the birth, the life, the ministry of Jesus in the early church. Ephesians was written by the apostle Paul to the church of Ephesus. Um, and in Ephesians four, verse 30, it says this, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And then he goes on and says this, get rid, say get rid. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. So, so don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Instead, instead get rid of these things right? Identify them. The bitterness, the rage, the anger, the harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, say instead. instead. He says, so there's an alternative. That's what God's saying. It's like, hey, listen, don't, don't do these things. Don't be bitter. Don't be angry. Don't be harsh. Don't slander people. Don't try to get back at them. Don't try to get even. Instead, I have a remedy. Thank God that he has a remedy for us in our relationships and the things that take place. Instead, be kind to each other. Even the dirtbag that cut you off? Yes. Even, yeah, really, right? And it was probably me, right? So forgive me. Instead, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Who in here struggles with that? I mean, if I ever wanted to cherry pick a passage and like skip over it, it's this, right? Because I don't want to do that. I mean, there's people in my life that have genuinely ticked me off that I want to strike in the face and God's saying, you can't do that. You can't do that. You need to be kind and tenderhearted, operate in mercy and forgiveness. 
You know how hard that was with the person who, who assaulted me as a child to let go of that? I know some of you do, right? It's, it's such a wound. And God's word doesn't say, hey, forgive everybody but that person who abused you. No, them too. Why? Because of that root of bitterness. We have to begin to deal with it. No, nobody's exempt from God's grace. And nobody in our life should be exempt from us offering grace as, as well. And so it's not our place to right the wrongs of this world. Instead, we need to let grace deal with it. Instead of being bitter, instead of convincing ourselves that we can get back at them, that we can make it right, we have to let grace deal with it. And it's not easy. It's not easy, and sometimes it's not a one and done. Sometimes, because we're broken people, we set things down, and then we come back and pick them up. And we set it down, and we come back and we pick it up. And we come back and pick it up. And sometimes we come back, we pick it up, and we try to hit them with it right? Because we're broken, but we need to still deal with this. Anybody in here keep an immaculate lawn, like real clean cut? Yeah, Bruce does. Bruce, Bruce is the lawn guy. If you ever see Bruce's lawn? Um, now, no matter how much maintenance you do on your lawn, I got a guy in my neighborhood. Um, everybody hates him, I'm sure. I don't know if that's true, but I don't like him. Um, his yard's like pristine and perfect all the time. Like, it's just disgusting. Um, and I keep a nice lawn, but I'm not like the Bruce's of the world or, or other people, right? Um, but here's the thing that I know. No matter what this guy does, eventually he's got to weed his yard again, right? They come back. They come back. He's got to deal with it. And he's got to come back and he's got to deal with it. He can get it perfect. He can take out everything that's not supposed to be there. But at some point, it's going to start coming back. And he's got to maintenance it again and maintenance it again. It's an ongoing process. And it's one of the reasons I think it's so fitting that, that bitterness and unforgiveness is described as, as a root. Because it does come back we do have to continue to operate in it and continue to maintenance those areas of our lives, continue to deal with it and rip it out, right? And, and kill it and, and, and try, to, try to deal with it. And sometimes we gotta come back and do it again. And sometimes we gotta come back and do it again. And even if you don't have to deal with that, this is what I know. You guys are gonna go out into the world this week and I'm gonna cut you off in traffic or somebody else is. Somebody's going to cuss at you or flip you off or say something about you or you're just going to have a bad day and you're going to have the opportunity to operate in this again and to deal with this and to be mindful of not letting anything grow up because these types of things impact our recovery. They impact our lives. They impact our walk. It's not something we can be indifferent to. It's not something that we can minimize in our lives. It's such a big deal that we operate in mercy and forgiveness and begin to, to deal with these things. At the beginning of Ephesians 4, chapter 2, it says this, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. People are going to mess up. People are going to hurt you intentionally and unintentionally. But no matter what takes place, no matter what happens, we have to operate in grace. We have to extend mercy because that's what we've received. We have to operate in love. We have to forgive. And I love that. Be patient with each other. The word patient, it means long-suffering. So again, when, when God says that, he's not making an easy statement. He's like, 
Suffer through it. Suffer through each other's faults. Suffer through each other's shortcomings. Suffer through the people in your life. Not because what they're doing is okay, but because God's forgiven you, so you forgive too. And so again, when it comes to bitterness, it's not our place to right the wrongs of the world. Instead, we need to allow grace to deal with it. Let's look at Colossians 3 as we begin to close. Uh, Colossians, again, it's in our New Testament. It's written by the Apostle Paul as well. Colossians 3, starting in verse 1, it says this, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And so something should take place in our lives. And as we come into relationship with Jesus, as we do recovery that way, right? As we, um, as we shift our, our way of thinking, um, that we should, we should shift our sights, right? Shift your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the uh, place of honor at God's right hand. And then it says, think about, the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. And, and I like that because the offenses that we have, the things that we hold on to, it's because we put so much stock in this life. It's because we put so much stock in the here and now. And when we begin to, to shift our way of thinking to the things that are eternal and heavenly and forever, it really puts things in perspective. I mean, how big of a deal was it that somebody cut you off in line in the grand scheme of forever? It's really not. And even the wounds that we have and the things that, that are so very real that have taken place in our lives, when viewed through the lens of God's grace and mercy and the reality that we all fail and that we all sin, that we all mess up, how much greater is their offense based on ones that we've been guilty of ourselves? They're not. And so when we begin to shift our thinking, we begin to shift our perspective in light of what God's done for us. It begins to allow us to see things different. And it goes on and it says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Again, now is time. Now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Those are all the things that bitterness bring about in our lives. This is the attitudes. And I just want you to know that these things, no matter what that person's done to you, no matter what they've put you through, these attitudes are not from God. This, this way of thinking does not come from him. And so when we allow ourselves to operate this way and then try to journey with Christ, we're divided. We're, we're trying to live in two worlds and, and, and operate in two lives simultaneously. It doesn't work. Right? You, you can't function that way. It's, a, it's like a split personality. It's devastating. We have to be committed to the things of God. We have to deal with these things. 
He goes on, you used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive, say forgive. Forgive, forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must, say must, must, you must forgive others. Ouch. Not optional. Because of what God's done for us, we must extend the same to those around us. Forgive anyone who offends you. Forgive anyone who hurts you. Anyone. The, the Greek word there translated, it's just anyone, right? It's anyone. And it's so hard because in our mind, we think that the moment we forgive somebody, we've said what they've done is okay. And that's not the case. That's not what we're saying. That's not what we're doing. But that's what we convince ourselves, that, that if we let go of it, we've made an allowance for them to do this again. And we haven't. Forgiveness isn't trust. Dealing with these things doesn't mean we trust them, that you're obligated to trust them doesn't mean that you allow them to hurt you again or any of those things. It just means that we let go of it and we recognize it's not our place to exact justice. It's God's. It's not our place to carry this. It's not our place to get even or, or to get back and, and we forgive anyone and we let go of it. And I get, it can be so easy with certain things. It can be so hard with others. But God's word is so clear. You must forgive anyone who offends you. And the reason being is when we refuse to operate this way, when we hold on to that bitterness, it impacts our lives. Many of you in this room may be trapped in a cycle of addiction because you refuse to deal with certain relationships. Many of you may be trapped in broken relationships because you refuse to forgive maybe a previous spouse or a parent or a sibling that's wounded you. You refuse to deal with that. And so for decades, it's impacting where you're at today. There may be something in your life that's such a, such a problem, such a mountain that you can't climb. And it all goes back to some resentful, bitterness or anger that you hold on to somebody because you're refusing the fullness of God's word. You're telling God, I know what your word says, but I know better here. God, you're telling me that I gotta, re I gotta forgive anybody, but I know better than you here. And we're operating in pride and we're not allowing God to operate fully in our lives. And so again, it says, Make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And then it goes on in 14. It says, above all, say above all. Above all, above all clothe yourself with love. Say love. 
which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And so instead of carrying the offense, let love replace it. There's nothing harder than loving people that haven't earned it. There's nothing more difficult than loving somebody who's abused you. I get it. I've had to do this in my own life. There's certain areas of my life that, that I've gone through that, that are horrible. And I have to choose to love the people. I can either carry the offense or I can replace it with love. We're called to love those in our lives that have hurt us. Replace the resentfulness, the cynicism, the bitterness with love. It says, above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Well, Pastor Aaron, I don't feel like loving them. I don't give a crap. It's what you're called to do. God's word is so incredibly clear. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice. It's an action word. You choose to love them or you choose to be disobedient. And not to me. It's not coming from me. God's word is so clear. And when we begin to operate this way, the amount of freedom we have in our lives is unreal. What God, the the room (laughs) that we give God to move is incredible. I personally poisoned my life for almost 20 years with this type of thinking and attitude. And it wasn't until I realized this, that I have to deal with the bitterness, that I've got to unchain it from my life, that God was fully capable of freeing me from my struggles. So again, point number three, let love replace it. John 13, 34 says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is Jesus speaking. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Just as I have loved you, as Jesus said. Um, Jesus loved everyone, right? Offered grace and mercy to everyone. Not a single person was exempt from that that would choose to receive it. And and Jesus' command was to love one another as he loved us. Not that we earned it, right? We didn't earn it. Not that we deserved it. We didn't deserve it. And that's how we're to love those around us. We don't wait for them to earn it. We don't wait for them to deserve it. We pour it upon them. We pour out grace, pour out mercy, pour out love in those situations and allow God to work in our lives. One last passage I want to share with you. It's uh, Matthew um, 16, 14 through 15. Um, it's one of those things that you want to read a few times and you'll question Does God really say that? (laughs) But it says this, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you of your sins. Again, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. I'll leave you with the weight of that. I want to encourage you through the week just to to pray and meditate just on that single passage. That's incredibly heavy. And if you're carrying an offense, it should be incredibly alarming to your life and and hopefully opens your eyes to the fact that that maybe this is why God can't move. That I, I seek him, I pray to him, I ask him, God, 
deal with these struggles and the sin in my life? Is this what's keeping him from moving because you're not allowing him to? I want, it, I want us to do this. Um, right where you are, just close your eyes. Um, and I want you to think of a person. Again, I, I told you at the beginning that, that God's likely gonna bring somebody to mind tonight. That there's a relationship, a person, past or present, that he's gonna begin to deal with you about. And I want you to think of that person that you may be carrying some type of wound um, against, some type of offense against. And, and I want us to do this. You can start with their name um, if you want, but I want you to say this next part out loud. Um, I want you to say, I forgive you. So in here, in just a moment, I wanna, I wanna count to three. I want us to all do it together um, so that, that none of us are, are you know, just reserved in it. And again, if you wanna start with a name in your mind, if you wanna say it out loud, but I want you to believe it in your heart. I want you to mean it. And I want you to forgive that person. Maybe it's a father who was an abusive drunk, right? A mother who was abusive, or a sibling, a spouse. It could have been anybody, some, an ex. But, but we need to let go of these things. Again, Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you of your sins. So on three, we'll say, I forgive you. And so one, Two, three, I forgive you. So again, I want to do that again. I want you to say it with conviction, with boldness. Everybody together on three, one, two, three, I forgive you. Whoever that may be, one more time. And again, whoever God's brought to your mind, say it with conviction regarding them and begin to let go of it. On three, one, two, three, I forgive you. I forgive you. I just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for those who are in this room tonight, Lord, as they've, um, God, as they just seek you, your mercy, your forgiveness. Um, God, as, as they seek to forgive those in their lives that um, they've carried something against, God, help them to set that down just to begin to deal with it and, and to walk away from it, God. Help them to operate in that mercy, that grace, and that forgiveness, Lord. And I just thank you that they've brought it before you with boldness, Lord, that they've set it down. Help them, Father, to have the strength and the courage to leave it there. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And so to recap tonight, um, point number one is this. When it comes to bitterness, ask God to reveal it. Your heart's deceitful. You'll convince yourself that you're not carrying anything, but ask God to reveal it. Number two, let grace deal with it. It's not our place to right every wrong. It's not our place to change the world. That's up to God. So let grace deal with the bitterness in your life. And number three, let love replace it. Don't carry the offense, carry love in your heart, right? When we have the spirit of God living and operating and working on the inside of us, we should be operating in a spirit of love, right? The same attitude as Christ Jesus, one of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. So let love replace it. All right, action steps tonight. Number one, evaluate your life and relationships and look for roots of bitterness, right? Evaluate, you begin to look. And number two, pray and ask God to reveal the truth in the suspected areas. Say, God, am I carrying something here? Lord, is there something here that offends you? God, that troubles you? Show it to me, reveal it to me. And number three, let go of it. Forgive and allow grace to abound. Stop carrying it, stop poisoning yourself, your life and your recovery with these things in our lives that we refuse to let go. Let grace abound. And number two, choose to love. Don't be a Karen. Don't be a Miho, right? 
choose to love, choose to let go. And in all of this, all of this, um, thank you. <laughs> all of this starts with, with us receiving forgiveness. Um, those who are forgiven much, forgive much. And I know me in my own life, when I began to put in perspective all the people that I wounded, it became so much easier to forgive those around me. And then when I realized how much God had forgiven me of, I mean, it became so much easier for me to forgive those around me. And so operating in forgiveness, operating in grace and mercy and love, it starts with us receiving it. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never received the greatest gift, which is God's forgiveness, in a relationship with him, we want to encourage you to that tonight. And here in just a moment, we're going to have some people down front and they would love to pray with you and for you so that you can receive the greatest gift, which is the gift of Jesus as your savior tonight. That's where we recognize we can't save ourselves. We believe that he was the son of God, that he died for us and we make him our Lord forever. And so if that's you here in just a moment, we want to encourage you to come down. And then maybe you're in here and you've, you've done that, but you've messed up, you got off track. You've been gone, but you're ready to come back home, right? To recommit. If that's you tonight, you're ready to recommit. Same offer stands. Here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people down front. They would love to pray with you and for you and, and lead you back into a relationship with Jesus. And then maybe you just need prayer. Maybe there's some things in your life that you just want, you want somebody to pray over you and, and with you about. Uh, we would love to do that. This, this is a house of prayer. One of the ways we journey with you is through prayer. And so, um, same offer. Just come down front, allow us to pray with you. And then lastly, um, we've got our white chips down here. And there's nothing special about them. It's, it's a piece of plastic. But when we act in faith and commit to lay something down, that's what this is about. It's where we get out of our seats and say, God, I'm setting this addiction down. It's yours. And that white chip reminds us of that, right? It represents it. Or maybe it's a damaged relationship. Maybe it, it's unforgiveness. It could be any number of things, but it's where we recognize it and we set it down, whatever it may be, and we hold on to it. And that's our reminder for the week. God's got this. God's got me. And so for any of those things tonight, to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, to recommit, to receive prayer, uh, prayer or to pick up a white chip, we wanna encourage you to come down front. And if everybody would, if you would stand to your feet tonight as we close in worship.